0: Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk Podcast. I'm Carrie,
1: And I'm Tanya. We're both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 86. Today, we'll be discussing our new favorites for second grade. We'll also be sharing some ideas in our No Better, Do Better segment. We'll share a work smarter, not harder teacher tip.
0: And in our CODA section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things in and out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started. So now it is time for us to share some highs and lows, something that's going well or not so well or a little both in our classroom from the last few weeks. And thank you for your patience. Ye who are listening, because um, we normally try to release our podcast every two weeks, but we had needed an extra week because of the OAKE conference last week. So anyways, this can be a higher low from the last three weeks, Tanya, because that's the last time we recorded.
1: Oh, my. <laughs> You're assuming I can remember that far back.
0: <laughs> right? I know. I can't remember two days ago. All right. You go first. Higher low. Okay.
1: I'm going to be a little selfish, and I'm not even going to um... – Talk specifically about school. I got my second dose of the COVID nineteen vaccine, the Moderna one, um, on just a few days ago. Let's Yay. see how many days—four days ago. Yeah, so that is a big high because uh, I think that vaccines for this pandemic are the answer. Yeah, all right. Um, science, science is real. And we should all be getting vaccines because that's how it works is everyone gets this vaccine so that we don't have this life-threatening illness in our society run rampant as it has been. Anyway, so yeah, um, I was a little ill afterwards, I'm not going to lie, and just flew like symptoms. I was just really tired and my joints hurt and my body hurt and I just wanted to nap and I had a headache, but oh my gosh, that is so much better than um, getting COVID-19 from what I understand, which I have not had. Um, Yeah. So that was a big high is that I feel really fortunate that I was able to get two doses of the vaccine. I'm very thrilled about that. My husband's going to be doing his in a couple of days. I know you're going to be doing yours in a few days too, Carrie.
0: Uh, a week, technically, but yes. A week, yeah. It was supposed to be today, but there's a big old snowstorm happening. Huge snowstorm. Um, yeah. So we had to reschedule, which is fine because I'm happy to not be out driving in the snow.
1: Right. Of course, I will still be socially distancing and masking because that's what we need to do. But um, yeah. vaccines good path go get your vaccine I don't want to fight about it if you don't believe in vaccines and want to fight me I don't know go ahead email me and tell me why not but (laughs) you know we we like science around here Uh, science science is real yeah exactly cool And you, carry
0: Yay. Well, mine's also going to be outside of the classroom. I mean, I had a good uh, couple of weeks, kind of, sort of, I don't know. Behaviors were a little, you know, it's spring and we're getting ready for spring break and kids are just tired of wearing masks and socially distancing and I get all that. So I will say behaviors were a little bit of a low this week, but that's actually not what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to, even though I already mentioned it, give a shout out to the OAKE conference that was last weekend. Yes. The virtual conference. And, you know, Tanya and I have been on a conference planning team before. We know all the work that goes into it. And then the amount of work that goes into planning a virtual conference when this particular organization hasn't undertaken that before. And it was delightful. And I was, it exceeded my expectations, especially in the areas of like that social interaction. They were able to find ways to make that happen as best as they could. I mean, was it as good as being in a person? Absolutely not. It never will be, <laughs> but for a virtual conference, I was very pleased, saw some really amazing sessions, um, I'm still going back and watching the recordings of the ones I wasn't able to see, which is one nice thing about the virtual platform yes. is we can do that, right?
1: Yes. And I want to do that. I haven't figured that out yet. You just go back to the Yeah, You page. just
0: click on whatever session and then the, I, from what I understand, the video should be there. I haven't. Oh, you haven't done it. yet either. Okay. But um, anyways, just shout out to the OAKE board, the conference planning team, the staff. They did an awesome job. I was very pleased.
1: It was great. Yes, It was great.
0: But we are already looking forward to next year being in person. That's the plan in,
1: where are we going? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. Uh, yes. In and March. and I will be there. I'm committed.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be great to be back together again.
1: And now it's time for our main theme where we talk about uh, what's going on and what our theme is. And that is second grade and what's happening new and different or not so new and different in second grade during this year. And I wanted to preface this with um, mentioning Carrie, when we were at the Oak conference virtually And um, in recent, I attended the NWKE workshop yesterday, which is the Seattle, sorry, the Northwest um, Kodai chapter. Just talking to other teachers, I was really surprised how many music teachers uh, have been virtual all year long.
0: I agree. Yeah. I thought more people were back or at least tried to, I mean, tried to come back. Maybe it didn't stick, but at least have been back in some way. And there are so many teachers who have not been in a classroom at all for a year now. Like at all.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. really surprised um, because here in our neck of the woods, we've been back for the majority of the time and we just had that one chunk between Thanksgiving and um, winter break. Yeah. And then we were back, I don't know, Was it It was mid-January, January 19th, we went back. Um, so yeah, so it's very interesting to hear how many people have been remote and I have no idea what that must feel like at this point, like to have been remote and not had kids in your room or in a room, even on a cart, like all year long, that just, I'm sorry people that I did not understand how many were still remote. So yeah. Hopefully now I'm wondering. some of
0: what we're talking about can be helpful. And I mean, even some of what I'm going to talk about today, I mean, I taught some of this material in a Zoom environment, and that's kind of what I've had to learn is, you know, I I planned my curriculum, for lack of a better word, my yearly plan, and I've I've tried to stick to it no matter what the learning environment is. But then, obviously, I've changed my expectations of how the kids demonstrate their their knowledge of what they're learning, and also simplifying things and less song material overall. And that's the combination of less singing, as well as sometimes being on a Zoom online environment. So anyways, all that to say, hopefully some of these (laughs) grade level shows we're doing are still helpful, even though we are coming at it from more of an in-person environment. That doesn't yes. mean you couldn't adapt. Obviously, that's that's the word we've had to use for everything is adapt. Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. So I just wanted to, you know, mention that I haven't been aware of, of how rampant that is.
0: Yeah. Totally.
1: Yeah. So tell me what's going on in second grade for you, Carrie.
0: Okay. So I will, I will give my little disclaimer, and I think I gave a similar one. So the way that my school year is set up at my homeschool, where I spend two-thirds of my time I have mixed age classes. So my second and third graders are together. And with all of my mixed age classes, I basically did like a power review at the beginning of the year of the lower grades, you know, general curriculum expectations as far as the Kodai sequence goes. And that's my way of catching up the second graders and also doing a lot of review for the third graders, kind of catching everybody up from what we would have done last year before. We shut down, anyways, and then I started to get into new third grade material basically the second half of the year. Now, the only way place where I see second grade as their own grade is at my second school, which I'm only at a third of the time. So, I have one second grade class basically out of all of my you know docket of classes. Um, and it's an interesting class because up until this last rotation that I'm seeing them there's only been 11 of them and now there's 12 of them. They're a very small class. They're a very enthusiastic class. And so in a way, I've had a lot of fun with them because I've been able to do a little bit more with them. I haven't been able to do my other classes because they're so small and because they're so excited to try things. Um, So that's actually been fun um, for me to have Maybe a class that feels a little bit more like normal, whatever normal used to feel like. So I'll just kind of quick go over like what my how I I scheduled out my year for these particular second graders. So with everybody, I started off the year with lots of activities hitting social emotional learning, as well as talking about emotions and music. And I basically did similar activities with all grade levels. And we've talked about those in past episodes. I'm not going to go into it. And then with my second graders and my third graders, I did a big instruments of the orchestra unit. I planned that for the beginning of the year, just still not knowing what my expectations were as far as how much singing we could do. Um, So I thought, well, I'm going to kind of plan this little unit that doesn't involve singing so much or musicking It's more music appreciation stuff. And I'm not going to go into specifics of that, but I will say that if you are interested in some of the things that I have done in the past for Instruments of the Orchestra, Tanya and I did an episode a long time ago. I just looked it up. It's episode number 31. And it's all about ways that we teach Instruments of the Orchestra. And I'm sure things have changed, but that at least gives some good solid ideas of what we have done. And I'm sure I do a lot of the same similar things. So that was how I started the year. And then Because this school is new to me, you know, I wanted to do a lot of what I consider to be review of first grade concepts because I just didn't know where they were at. So we did a lot of work with Ta, Titi, and Rest, Rhythm First. And one of the songs I will mention specifically, sorry, Chant. One of the chants I will mention specifically that was new to me. I I started to use that last year with my first graders, but then I, I thought it was a really great chant to review rest is Zapatitos Blanco, which is a Spanish language chant. And my source for this is the book El Patio de Mi Casa, which is a song collection book by Gabriela Montoya um, Steer. Stier? I'm not sure how you pronounce the, the second half of her last name. So anyways, I will just do a quick little chant just to make sure you hear it, and then I will link to it in the show notes. It goes, zapatitos blancos, zapatito azul, dime cuantos años tienes tu? And the way that the game is played is that the students would sit in a circle with their legs extended, so they have two shoes towards the middle of the circle. I, as the leader, am going around pointing to their shoes with a steady beat. Now, obviously in non-COVID times, we would be close enough that I could actually touch their feet. But in COVID times, they were as spread out as they could be. But again, this is my smallest class. So I felt comfortable with them sitting in a circle because they were so spread out. And I just pointed to their shoes. And then whoever I am pointing to on that last beat of dime cuantos años tienes tú, whoever you're pointing to their shoe on the word to, The question is, how old are you and however old they are, then you resume the beat, counting it out, and then whoever is the last child pointed to for the last number that student that foot is out so if they have two feet still extended they would just tuck one in and if it's their last foot that's extended that one gets tucked in and therefore they're out and you keep going round and round and round until all students feet are tucked in and out except for one obviously and in a large class this is going to take a long time so maybe you would just have one foot extended Um, but because I had such a small class it actually worked out that I could have both feet extended and play the game in the traditional way. Anyways, that's Zapatito Blanco. Just wanted to throw that out there. Um, A great review song for second grade or if you're teaching rest in first grade, obviously it'd be great for first grade as well. And then um, after we did our big review of Tatiti and rest, we went into half note and I did present half note or we call it two or we hold out the two for two beats um i didn't necessarily use any new song material there it's kind of the same old same old that i've used in the past
1: oh don't Um, spoil because that's all me (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's me and my same old same old
0: (laughs) but it's just a matter of um you know, changing up some of the games. So um, for example, one of the songs that I've used to present half note for a very long time is button. You must wander, wander, wander. And typically when we're in the room, I have this big giant plastic button and we play it like a hot and cold kind of game where somebody hides the button and then somebody else finds it and we sing louder or softer.
1: Okay. I'm sorry. Can I ask real quick? Yeah. So you're using that for half note
0: yes I am because of that everywhere which I know some might argue that it's a ta rest I've seen it in both ways but I I use it for half note it's sometimes it's hard to find good half note songs because I know
1: and you know what that that is an issue with like is it a quarter note rest or is it a half note and so for button you must wander I've always used it just with ta tt rest yeah because yeah yeah Um, yeah. as long as you're
0: consistent that's the important part Consistent. Be. Be. Consistent.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Except so, for when you need to change. Yeah.
0: What I wanted to say about it, though, was that this was when I was doing my whole half note thing. This was when we were totally online. It was that chunk between Thanksgiving break and winter break. So I was preparing, presenting, practicing half note completely online, doing lots of seesaw activities with them. But the way that I played the game with them, and I didn't come up with this, I saw other people do this with other similar games, is the whole hide the button under a cup. And I had three cups on the table, and I would slide them around while we sang. And at the end, they had to guess, is it under cup one, two, or three? And they loved it. I I think some students like that game better than... A hot and cold finding game you know so yeah. anyways, anyway so it's just an example of how you can take a same old same old song and game and change it up and mm-hmm. it works on zoom too so now we are moving into melodic content. The last rotation I saw these kids, again, just not really knowing where they were at with melodic content. I started with just so and me with them. And, you know, the, the challenge is, and not maybe so much with second graders, but obviously as you get older, if you want to start reviewing melodic content and you want to just start with so and me, even with older kids, and you have to find music where that so me pattern is extractable, but it's not the entire song. Like you're not going to sing Starlight, Starbright with your third and fourth graders, right? Right. So a good example of a song that does this is Pizza Pizza, which I feel like we've talked about before. But I'm going to say I don't know that I've really used Pizza Pizza in my classroom all that much. I don't know why. It just didn't find its place until this year. But it's a great song because of the responses pizza pizza daddy oh so me so me so so me so that was a great song for me to pull in to review that so me pattern with the students we did the little singing game and i'll link to the game in the show notes the the song itself is on the holy name song collection so i'll link to that but the particular version that i use is from the book sail away um which it's it's very similar just the rhythm is written out just a little bit differently so it's a great little playground circle game now typically you would play it in as a circle with the student in the middle who is improvising the different actions but obviously all we did to modify it was we just stayed in our assigned rows our assigned spots and the leader just came up to the front so it's a really great you know, COVID times game, because it doesn't involve them touching one another. They're just doing the moves in their own space. And my second graders went bananas for this game. They love it. They ask for it every single time. It's now one of their favorites. And because this class is so gung ho, I was really able to move them into improvising, doing those solo improvisations of the movements. So let's jump it, jump it, jump it, daddy oh, let's dab it. That's still their favorite. So I was able to get them improvising and taking on that leadership role really quickly because I have some really great strong singers in that group who are great vocal role models and they just love it. And it lets them be active and silly and it's just perfect for them. So So I have a
1: question before you have them improvise with the movements. Do you talk about movements? Do you write them on the board? Do you just let them go for it?
0: Um, I was the leader a couple of times in the first class period that we did it. So I gave them lots of music vocabulary and movement vocabulary just by doing it. Um, And then the second class period we did it, I said, now, remember, I still was the leader maybe like once or twice. And then I asked for volunteers to be leaders after that. And I thought about writing down a movement vocabulary on the board, but I thought, let's just see what they came up with. And they were able to come up with their own. Either drawing from ones I had used as examples before or just their own moves that they were excited about. So right. in this particular class, no. Had they been struggling, definitely we could have brainstormed first and written a bunch of movement ideas on the board so they had something to draw from. And then, you know, the way that it works is whenever that student is like, okay, I'm out. They sing, let's end it, end it, end it, daddy-o. And then they point to whoever wants to be the next leader. So that's kind of their out. You know, when they run out of ideas, they're like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and call on someone else.
1: Exactly. The that, yeah, they can always end it. Yeah,
0: Exactly. So I think that put their mind at ease. So cool. then from there, we moved into reviewing law. And then now the next time that I see them, I'm going to be preparing, presenting, and practicing dough, and using a lot of the same old song literature with that one. Um, apple tree is always a favorite. Kingsland. Um, I do want to use Sorida from Zimbabwe. It's the greeting song from Zimbabwe.
1: Yes.
0: I haven't exactly decided because normally that's a clapping game. So I'm thinking I'm going to teach them the motions and they're just going to air clap.
1: And then I'm just yes. going
0: to encourage them to go home and play it with a family member. and that's show them. That's what I've
1: been people. doing with those clapping games is doing yeah. it in the air and it's fine. Especially Surida because it's not a straight ahead clapping game. Um, it's a little yeah. complicated, so watching you as the leader is is a good thing.
0: Yeah, and then that's usually how I would teach it, anyways. Is we do it in the air multiple times first, where they're my air partner, and then we don't turn and actually try it with a partner after until we've done it, you know, for two or three days. So we'll just keep on keeping on with that, and then I'll just show them a video of what it looks like. I actually have a video from last year, this time in the spring, of me and my daughter playing Sorita that I sent out to my then second graders last year to play to that is families, right. so now yeah. it's kind of interesting how I can start pulling these videos and these things that I made last year some of them are horrible but <laughs> some of them <laughs> are fine and that's nice because that's the nice thing about creating all these digital resources is that we don't have to reinvent them literally so
1: exactly
0: so that's it and then you know again depending on this group because they are really gung-ho and they are um really like craving more all the time, um, I might get to Ray with them and I might finish up the whole pentatone with them and doing a lot of staff work. Oh, that was the other thing I wanted to mention. So with this particular group of second graders, because of the way their schedule works, their teachers are not comfortable with them bringing their technology to my class. So that makes it really difficult. So I'm not doing much on seesaw with them when I'm in person with them. And so this is where at the beginning of the year made all of those individual music kits for my kids. And this is where it's really paid off because one of the things they have in their kit is um, inside like a page protector sleeve. I have on one side, like an eight box rhythm dictation and on the other side is a five line staff. And then I gave them a marker and eraser and then they have a little baggie of those little one inch bingo chips, those little, you know, transparent, colored ones so you can still see through them so we're doing a lot of staff dictation the old school way but they Mm -hmm. each have their own little kit so I don't have to worry about sanitizing in between classes and they really like using their kits every time we get them out they're like yes so I don't know what it is if it's just the fact that it's theirs or it's just putting something in their hands but um yeah unfortunately with that group I can't do a lot of tech unless we're online if we're online then I can (laughs) so it's right I've had to kind of go old school with them in that way but It kind of again brings up the point of how much kids really like non-tech activities if they're still engaging and manipulatives, especially. And the
1: novelty of something that is not on the computer these days, it's it's very interesting because, you know, before this pandemic, doing things on the computer was really special and like yeah different. Now it's the other way around where like they're on the computer so much Mm -hmm. that when you pull out popsicle sticks or transparent note heads on staff boards. They're like, ooh, you know.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It used to be when I told my kids, we're going to do a Seesaw activity for this today. They'd be like, yeah, and they would cheer because they loved Seesaw. It was so new and different. And now they're like, eh.
1: <laughs> so,
0: anyways, I'm just, I'm thanking Carrie six months ago, or however when that was that I decided to make those kits because I know it's a pain in the butt to make them. But, you know, my circumstance was that my budget at my school allowed me to do that and pay for it completely out of my budget, so no money out of my own pocket. I had paraprofessionals help me put the kids together, and I don't have like an insane amount of students. Between my two schools, I probably am at about 400 students. Had I been at a school with 600 plus students, I don't know that I would have done it, but I had the help, I had the resources, I had the time, and I'm glad that I did
1: it. Yeah, that's awesome. all right so
0: that's my second grade year with my teeny tiny one little second grade class how about you tanya
1: how's second grade for you this year um it's interesting um i i don't think i don't uh, i know i say this all the time but uh i'm not doing anything groundbreakingly different in most i don't know uh, song literature wise um so I, too, am focused on half note with the second graders. I am not focused on a melodic concept with second graders right now. It's too much, all right? Um, my right? I've got three second grade classes that are straight second grade. And um, honestly, in all cases, they're my most challenging groups. Yeah, I remember and- you talking
0: about first grade last year and having
1: some <laughs> yeah, extreme they're needs second graders, so <laughs> well, here they are second grade next year. yeah and I and, and and that's just to say that I know they need different things and and they you know I just have to pay attention um to their needs because that overrides everything mm-hmm. additionally second grade uh at both of my schools happens at the end of the day Ugh. Um, at my homeschool, it happens at the very end of the day. Um, and I, honestly, I do, I, I'm not going to say I think they're tired. I know they're tired. Like they've told me they're tired. They're mm-hmm. lying on the floor. They're tired. Um, so yeah, that all that to say that that has changed how I am teaching them. Yeah. So, um, I let go of some things and I am not trying to cram, Um, melodic things at them because it's just not working. So I just, yeah, I'm just You have to do what
0: they're ready for.
1: Right. So for like eight lessons, uh, and I say eight just because in these past few months, we've been having um, like PD days for teachers or off days. It seems like hardly a uh, unit of two week time period goes by where it's actually 10 days, it's on average eight days.
0: Yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah. I plan seven days with eight days being like an extension
1: because that's
0: typically what I can plan on in a two week period.
1: Yeah, so I just count on, I'll see my kids for eight days in a row and we are going to tackle, which is a loose way of saying, hopefully they will learn and I will teach like half note. Yeah, so yeah. Um, for the rest of the class time, what I'm doing is SEL things. I'm doing music that they love, that they like, and um, I am doing more mindfulness. And yeah, I've been a proponent of mindfulness in the, in the classroom. And then I kind of let it go because I went back to, uh-oh, sorry for all the things. Um, okay. I, I kind of went back to, oh my god, gosh, I got to get in all this content. Yeah. And that was a mistake. Um, yeah.
0: I'm not saying yeah for you. I'm saying it, the collective yeah, because I've been in that position as well this year and in the past feeling like I got to get to it. I got to get to it. And this year has taught us that that's now what it's about.
1: Right. Will I ever learn? I don't know. Check back this time next year. So yeah. So that's what I am focused on. Um, as, far as, as far as what we're doing with Half Note, I am doing Frère de jaca singing in Spanish, singing in French, singing in English for our half, half note. And we. I am adding instruments on our long sounds, which is very simple, but they enjoying, enjoy playing the ding, ding, dong, oh, ding, yeah. ding, ding, dong on metallophones. Um, and it's one of those times where we only bring out metallophones and hand chimes and the xylophones which are usually like my go-to um you know i I never use only metallophones so it's great during half note season that we use a lot of metallophones yeah um we're doing who's that tapping at my window which they love because i still kept it as a guessing game where i have a kid come up to the front of the room and put their back to everyone um and cover their eyes with their hands. You know, mm-hmm. you just got to, whatever. Trust that they will do that. And then we have a mystery guest number one who sings, I am tapping at your window. And mystery guest number two who sings, I am knocking at your door. Which of course, you know, is is how I've traditionally played the game. And I think I've even talked about it here. But um, always a big hit, which yeah, is they love
0: Can I share, um, again, because I was teaching half note on Zoom, we were online, I played that game on Zoom. So I put the the guesser student in the waiting room yes. <laughs> while I chose, you know, singer number one. And it's funny because I didn't, when the, the guesser came back, I didn't make them close their eyes, necessarily, I let them keep their eyes open, because sometimes in zoom you still can't catch who's talking or singing it depends on if they had speaker view on or gallery view on. So I suppose if they had speaker view on that
1: gave them a big (laughs) clue, but I
0: just didn't I never addressed it and they still loved that game silly enough.
1: You know what's funny? I tried something similar to that and I made everyone put their cameras off. And I forgot that when someone's talking, it lights up around their little box. (laughs) So it didn't work because they were like, well, I can tell that Sabian's box is lit up. Yeah. So... I'm sure all of you listening have done have figured that out. Yeah, but it was. But the funny
0: part was they didn't care. They still liked the game, (laughs) and they still liked the surprise of like, "Ooh,
1: so and so is singing." And you could have everyone's cameras on, and everyone mouths the word. That would be cute. That's true. You could lip sync. And in the
0: class, I've noticed with these types of games, solo singing games with the mask on, it also presents itself. Like, they can keep their eyes open. Sometimes I let them keep their eyes open. And I'm like, "Can," because I'm trying to prove a point to them. And I say this all the time. I can tell whether you're singing or not, even if you have a mask on. Because I have some students who think, oh, well, I don't have to sing now because she doesn't know I'm not singing. And I always tell them I can still tell. So I I make this point of like, you can still tell someone's singing with a mask on. So I let them keep their eyes open
1: (laughs) at least a couple times. And then I make
0: sure. eyes. All that- right, sorry, I interrupted you. No,
1: no, it's all good. Um, and then I'm using the Welsh lullaby, Shohin Shoh. You know that one? I don't. Shohin Shoh baby boy mother's pride father's joy oh I think I switched that anyway birdie sleeps in the nest sun doth sink in the west oh that's lovely yeah and then we change and then we create our own verse for show he show baby girl and then we find a rhyming something so when we sing baby boy it's father's pride mother's joy and i switched it i don't think it matters um but instead of singing father's pride mother's joy we say okay what rhymes with girl show he show baby girl um you know what did they say uh twirl i can't remember what it is they came up with but they created like a second verse where we sang girl now, yeah. not to put you on the spot, but have oh, you, I know like what's a- coming. Cause I was going to say this, but go ahead.
0: <laughs> have you done a non-gendered version
1: where you sing like no, Baby child? I haven't. And I was thinking about that. Um, and, and how we could do that. So, I mean, okay. I'm, i I no, will say
0: I I'm, I'm the first to admit that I still am, am learning and, and I, I'm not great at this yet but our good friend amy abbott does sessions about this and we're oh learning i from her. um yeah. so i was just curious and, if you've gone there yet and but i like that you're at least including both boy and girl that's a
1: good right sense. no and i and i was about to address that because i have been thinking about it i hadn't done it yet with this particular song um which just happened this past week and And yeah. So what could I say? Let's see. I was thinking baby child. child, baby child in the crib. Oh, so mild. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I
0: think this is one of those cases. I mean, I like that you're inviting the students to help you come up with new words, but if you didn't have the time or if you didn't want to, I feel like this is one of those instances where i would feel comfortable changing the words myself and that the students would never be the wiser that those weren't the original words because you're still keeping the integrity of the lullaby you're still keeping the the melodic and rhythmic content the same i would be okay with that personally i know there's a big you know back and forth about whether or not we should change words to folk songs and whether or not that's messing with the integrity of the song but i would feel comfortable with what you just said just making that be the, the norm for what i would sing with my students
1: yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I had thought about that. I just sang it with the original words. I just didn't, I didn't go there yet. That's all.
0: Yeah. Um, no, but, but I, I, I like that, that you invited the students to come up with That's That's even more empowering. I think it's great.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So those are the notes we're using for half note Um, for our musical minute. I've been making the musical mindful minutes So because St. Patrick's Day is approaching and just because I do love Irish music, I've been trying to weave in some um, extra Irish music. And one of the favorites is a Irish band called Clanad. And if you're familiar with Inya, she used to be the lead singer of Clanad Once Upon a Time. And there's a song called Harry's Game, which is very lovely and um, choral and atmospheric, which when we're doing musical, mindful musical minutes, it's always very helpful to have songs that don't have lyrics that are going to take people away from just having the music there as, as something to maybe focus on, but not the words. So, um, that's been a favorite one. And, and... While they're listening,
0: you give them the prompts to think about what they, are you still giving them those, those three prompts? What do you
1: No, hear? no. Oh, so as, far as no, as far as mindful musical minute, if I'm saying mindful, then I'm really aiming us towards you don't have to think about anything.
0: Oh, okay. And you do they lie down? Is, Are they doing breathing exercises that's just totally up to the kid? It is up to them.
1: This is one of those where in the past it would have been I would maybe do a brief, like, talk them through a meditation and focus on breathing. Um, and anchoring their breath and one part of the body. But with these second graders, I have to give lots of options. I mean, you know, it depends on with anybody. Um, But I've noticed it's most successful when I say, here are the guidelines. Like I'm going to play some music. You can focus on the music. You can ignore the music. You can lie down. You can sit up. You can focus on your breathing. And they've been through lots of breathing things with me. So I also have like a very small bulletin board so they can refer to like breathing activities that they could do during this. I don't need to coach them through that necessarily, That's um, great, but I just give them that option. And, you know, it's, I, I'm also getting over the fact that there's going to be one or two who at that moment, they just can't, like right. they can't stop making noises or they can't stop fidgeting and then we just let that happen and everyone does their own thing and these second graders they're together with each other all day long so um they've gotten used to um powering when there's something (laughs) going on and and I honestly I I feel for them because this is this is a hard year for them yeah so I have let go trying to dictate exactly what this is going to look like I'm not asking them to reflect on the music whatever happens this is just an opportunity and the reason I know that this is the best way to do it is because the other day we had been playing metallophones um, with the lullaby and then uh, I said okay let's put our mallets down and like there were three of them who ran back to their spots and laid down and then everybody laid down yeah, because they had seen on the agenda that mindful minutes was next. So you don't necessarily
0: do it at the beginning of class.
1: No, I'm I'm leaving it for like the third thing in class.
0: So it gives them but, kind of that like reset moment. Yes,
1: yes. There's several reasons. First of all, I'm I, I want to start us off musically. Um, but honestly, my biggest reason is that there's so much stuff happening at the beginning of class that sometimes seven of them come in late because they've been working with another teacher. Um, and that'll blow everything out of the water. Um, sometimes, uh, two of them will come in and they want to tell me about their behavior chart for the day. Like there's so many things that happen right when they come in that take up the time that if I were to start mindful minutes right away, it would get interrupted like nine times out of 10. So I'm just not fighting it because it it used to frustrate me, which is kind of funny. It's the opposite of what you want. Um, (laughs) Yeah, well, that's really so, helpful
0: to hear. And can you? Sorry, I'm asking so many questions about how long do you play the music for your mindful musical minutes?
1: I, I mean, go not... from two minutes to three minutes.
0: Okay, so yeah. if it's if it's a song that's longer, you just fade it out.
1: Yep, yep. And with that, like the Clannad piece, Harry's game, super easy to fade out. Just right. turn down the volume gradually. Um, yeah, and then I have used like Beethoven's uh, symphony seven movement two, Mm -hmm. which is great because we're reviewing ta T. we can review ta T and rest with that right afterwards yeah and and that fits the bill if you if you cut it off you know um
0: after that first big after that
1: first part of that yeah that first chunk you know yeah otherwise you're in trouble which is the best chunk anyways (laughs) it's the it's the chunk you need you know what i'm saying um oh yeah yeah so cool yeah, and then having the agenda, I've gotten back to that. I had abandoned that earlier in the year, but show because I, I I have mixed feelings about having an agenda because I really think that it takes away from this activist view of like music learning is right. to show an agenda. I, I anyway, um, I'm over it because having an agenda and having that structure is what works for these kids.
0: Yeah. They need to know what's coming next. Yeah. I have. So couple,
1: when they all ran when kids and like of that. course I didn't want them running. It's funny, but whatever. Um, so when they all ran from instruments and then all like assumed the position and laid down, I said, Oh, wow, you guys know. And they, and one of my little second graders, um, he said, cause we know mindful minutes for next. We love mindful minutes. Oh, that's so I I went, Okay, cool. Good to working. know.
0: And it's still a musical activity. I mean, don't, you know, I think I've gotten down on myself when we do listening activities that are maybe even not structured or tied to a pedagogical reason. But it is so good for kids just to lay and listen to music. I mean, there's, that is so good for them, musically and emotionally, you know, we know
1: this. Yes, yes. And I'm realizing that they don't get much of that. Right. Because we have we have so much tied to the visual where we see videos, we watch YouTube, we watch, you know, countless streaming surface services. And I remember when I was a kid and sometimes even now, one of like my greatest joys was putting on headphones and just listening to an album all the way through and just being immersed in it. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten
0: bad at, Listening to music and not doing other things like I will always listen to music while I'm cleaning or, you know, while I'm I'm doodling or cross stitching or whatever. I very rarely just sit and listen to music anymore. And yeah, you're right. I used to do that. And I don't do it as much anymore because I feel like I'm just out of that practice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, take it for what it's worth. Is it really meditation? No. Is it helpful? Yeah, I, yeah, because they are more focused.
0: I think um, it's meditation. I don't know why
1: you're questioning it. Sounds like it to me. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it doesn't matter. It, it's working. <laughs> and that's what we're doing. That's okay, cool. <laughs> my qualifications for this year, as far as what we do in the music room, is, is it working? Are the kids happy? Do they like it? That's like where I'm I'm at right now.
0: Well, yeah, when you have those extreme groups, that that's the goal.
1: Right. And and I I, like I know there's things going on. There's all of the circumstances as far as their music class time of the day and situation this year and the specific dynamics of the 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 kids and the individuals and the group, all of these things are like a perfect storm that that sometimes can go very badly. So if it's working, and this is at the end of the day, even though it's so tiring (laughs) because I have so many behavior charts to fill out at the end of that class. Oh, yeah. They all come with them. Um, not all of them, just like five, no, four of them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I have to go, okay what really worked today with them and what didn't and let's try that again because I mean the other disadvantage is that I see them for two weeks and then they go away and then I don't see them for four weeks or five Um, if there's
0: spring break in there too
1: exactly so yeah I won't see them again now for five weeks um all right what else am I doing in there so like I mentioned we had been doing uh I'm trying to touch on some some Irish music which is like such a broad broad term, but Ratlin Bog is a favorite sing-along and there's nothing pedagogical that I'm doing. I mean, yeah, maybe they keep the beat uh, to it while they're singing, but this is music for the joy of making music. And I'm a big firm believer of if you're going to be doing music that is celebrating a culture and, um, it can get real surface level, um, You should go and use authentic music from that culture. Yes. I get a little bit uh, frustrated when I see fake Irish songs, for example. Yeah. But shout out to my cajon because um, (laughs) (laughs) my cajon that is new in my music classroom from a couple months ago because um, I am getting... Getting cool with the sitting on the cajon, playing the guitar and keeping the beat with my heel on it.
0: Oh, you're so fancy. Will you do a video of this place?
1: Oh gosh. Just okay.
0: for me. You don't have to share it with the world. I just want to see it.
1: <laughs> it's just you sitting on the cajon and like, you know, thumping with your foot.
0: You're like a Dick Van Dyke one man yeah. band Mary Poppin situation.
1: Yes, but my accent's not quite that savvy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So now it is time for a segment we call Know Better, Do Better, where we talk about practices, repertoire, anything that we are reconsidering how we've done it before and how we might rethink it for the future with new knowledge. So, (laughs) Tanya, what would you like to talk about today?
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to give a recommendation that is, um, I get to do more later though, so, you know. It's uh, just full of recommendations. All right. I'm listening. I've been listening to the audiobook of So You Want to Talk About Race by Ijoma Alul. And oh my gosh, it's is it's an awesome, it's fascinating book um, that everyone should read or listen to. Now I've been thinking a lot about all of the things that I'm hearing in this book and also relating to it, to present day happenings. So just recently Oprah Winfrey did a huge monumental interview with um, Megan and Harry of the, formerly of the British Royals. Um, and I honestly have not seen it. Have you seen it?
0: I haven't, I've seen bits and pieces. I don't Got think it. it's on a service that I own to, to be able to watch.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's on a service. I, yeah, I've only seen bits and pieces as well. Um, but anyway, what is interesting, well, it's all very interesting, but uh, and and very tragic as well to, to hear yeah. all of these accusations uh, against the um institution of the British royalty. But right, um, what I find even very more telling is the fallout from this, and I was specifically um getting too much information about uh, Sharon Osborne and her, she had a, I don't know how to say it, temper tantrum. I'm just going to say that um, on TV. She's on a show called The Talk and she shares that uh, it, it's kind of like, it's like The View, but it's The Talk. Right. Um, anyway, there's a black woman who's also on the show, Cheryl Underwood, and they kind of had a, a back and forth um, about Megan and Harry, but mostly about, um, Piers Morgan. Right. Who made some comments that were attacking Megan Markle. I mean, you know, I feel so, I feel kind of icky just talking about all of this, this drama and gossipy. Yeah. It's not gossipy because it's all, But it's bigger on, than that.
0: Yeah. That's yeah well, I mean, it's right. all
1: been recorded. It's, 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 you can go and view all of these things on YouTube or on yeah. wherever. Um, but what I what really struck me was Sharon Osborne, a white woman, yelling at Cheryl Underwood, um, when Sh- Sharon Osborne was concerned about like my friend, Piers Morgan, um, has been called a racist, and now people are going to call me a racist too, and that's not fair. And um, anyway. <sighs> Others took issue of what Sharon Osborne was saying. And, and there was a point where Sharon Osborne is yelling at Cheryl Underwood, a Black woman, tell me, educate me, educate me. Okay, herein lies my upsetness. And I can't imagine what it's like being anyone who's been marginalized. Uh, and here's my big, no better, do better. Educate yourself, right? right? <laughs> if there's an issue, if someone is telling you, um, first of all, believe BBIA. And that's a term coined by um, decolonizing the music room, which stands for black, brown, indigenous, and Asian peoples. Right. And you use this term BBIA as a larger umbrella. But when you know the, what the, the person who you were talking about, when you know their preferred term, then you say black woman, for example. Right. So in this case believe a black woman when she tells you there's something problematic about what you're saying right yeah and, and then educate yourself and, and and i say this also because i recently saw something on facebook because you know this is on a facebook music room where someone was saying educate me tell me why mm-hmm. and it was about in fact i think it was on decolonizing the music room, and it was again about land of the silver birch and my paddle, mm-hmm. and I thought, "Where have you been? Have we not gone over this?"
0: Right. And Carrie or even and- if you missed it, if you Google it, you're gonna find it
1: oh so easily. Right. So yeah. So my no better, do better, and and if you want to, um, I mean i I say this as being someone who is committed this very thing, where I have said, "Oh, tell me about it." No. If it's right. out there, if someone tells you there's a problem, you go find you. Google is free, so yeah. educate yourself. You know, and especially, oh gosh, if you're Sharon Osborne and someone is telling you on television that there's something problematic, just go figure it out, man. Just yeah, this is don't don't ask black a black woman to do your labor for you, right? right? When we have so many resources you could really spend hours and days and days reading what is problematic about whatever stance you are taking. So it's mostly that I'm concerned that us white folks are not listening enough. And I'm also concerned that we are looking for gold stars or cookies, or you're not going to you're not going to get any gold stars or cookies for being a decent human. And, and we're not there yet. That's the other thing that I'm concerned about is that I don't, I think that there's damage in thinking that, okay, well, the racists are everybody else, but not me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I think we have to recognize the racism inherent within us simply because we all grew up in this society, which has systemic racist, structures all over the place including our schools and um you know if if you're listening and that makes you feel upset and uncomfortable go go educate yourself <laughs> google line because <it. laughs> I didn't make this up this is not my thought all by myself <laughs> you know, go find out why I might be saying that um nice. and and if that makes you stop listening to our podcast well you know blessings be with you or whatever, have, that's fine. I get that. But I think that we need to stop worried, being worried about, oh no, do people think I'm racist? I think that we just have to assume, you know what? I know that they've, I've got unchecked biases because I am a product of this society. And now it's time to do some unlearning. Yeah. And I think the bottom line is believe any marginalized people, if someone tells you there's a problem, maybe you want to look into that and not keep centering yourself as, oh no, I'm so hurt. Someone called me a racist. Now look at my tears. Um, So anyway, that's, that's my little piece. And then, you know, please, if you want to call me in on any uh, mistakes that I might've made on this very podcast, please, I, I will be happy to listen. I've got to make some amends with some former students, and I don't mean kids students. I mean adult students. Right, right. I have taught material to that I am ashamed now that I did not do better. I mean, I could give you a list of. I mean, I will be giving a list of songs to some former students, saying, "Hey, listen, I'm sorry. I taught you this, and use this instead. And here's why we're not going to. I'm not going to use this." make an informed decision.
0: Right. And I think that's that's the piece that um, as a you know pedagogy analysis research teacher I'm trying to impart, and I know many of our colleagues are too, is the, the importance of the research and making your own decisions. And while some songs and practices are very cut and dry, others are a little more gray area. And the importance is to do the research and to do the work, which is what you're saying, and not expect mm-hmm. others to do it for you, but to do it yourself. Um, and do a, a thorough job, not if not for anyone else, for your students in, in this particular application of what we're talking about, that you it owe it on. to your students to to do the best that you can to present to them materials and practices that are vetted and equitable and inclusionary inclusionary, is that a word? <laughs> Did I just yeah. make that word up? Oh, yeah, okay. no,
1: no, that, that is definitely a word. And okay. and yes, and I'm sorry if this sounds all over the place. I was just I've been really bothered um more so than usual about seeing um seeing white privilege on display yeah um and that doesn't mean that i'm above that by any means because i know that that can be me and i just need to i think that i just need to accept that i got to keep educating myself um and also listen It's really important to listen. And I got to keep putting my hands over over my face so I can listen when people who are marginalized are saying this is not right. Yep. And now it's time for our work smarter, not harder teacher tip in which Carrie will impart to us some brilliant quick little tip that will save you hours of time and years of frustration, right? Sure.
0: And I didn't, I didn't come up with this at all, but I'm just so happy to have stumbled upon it. In Did fact, ever... I called you yep. as soon as yep. I saw it, Tanya. I was like, ooh, so Seesaw, I love Seesaw. Seesaw finally came out with the update oh, where you can, okay, so if you're doing like a drag and drop type of activity where kids are dragging pictures and you can do notation, staff note heads, whatever little thing you want to give them to drag and drop, you can lock the image. So you're locking the side Size of the image. You can't change the size, you can't rotate it, you can't even change its color, but you can move it. So, for those of us who love Smart Notebook, it's similar to that whole like allow move feature where you can move things around. But you know, the kids would go to move an image and they would accidentally or purposefully click on the little (laughs) corner and then, oh, look at this notehead. It's giant. I had that happen. And then Not they laugh enough. and they think it's funny. And then it's right. a whole like, now. Oh, you to- yeah,
1: Your sew is on all the lines and spaces. Yeah.
0: And you have to teach them how to undo. So anyways, thank you, Seesaw. I love that that feature is there. And I just want to make sure if you are using Seesaw that you know that it's there, that you can lock the size of an image, but still allow students to move it. And it's great for drag and drop activities. Yay. So now it is time for our coda section, where we give some recommendations of things we are enjoying, either in or out of the classroom. So, Tanya, what you got? Yes.
1: All right. Well, I wanted to drop three, but you won't let me, and that's fine.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> so- one for now, two for later. I'll just pick
1: one. Okay. Um, been watching a lot of TV because uh, right after my vaccine, I my second dose. Um, yeah, I was kind of down and wasn't really able to do much else but just watch screens. Uh, yeah, so I finally saw Framing Britney Spears, the documentary put out by the New York Times. It's available on on Hulu, and it's so good. It is so good, and, and I am not a Britney um, fan, per se. Um, I'm very old, as you might know, and when Britney hit her height of uh, fame, I was just, it was not, I was not that audience. Um, I was waiting in my indie rock world and Britney Spears was not that. So uh, so yeah, I had a limited knowledge of Britney Spears and, and all that she has gone through, but wow, it's a pretty powerful documentary. I still have a lot of questions and free Britney, yeah. Go watch okay. the Britney Spears documentary. Sorry, is
0: that on Netflix? No, it's on Hulu. I don't have Hulu.
1: Well, get Bugger. with it. Maybe okay. you can find it elsewhere. I, okay. I know it's on Hulu. Okay. And what about you, Carrie?
0: Oh, Tanya, I have stumbled upon something that is so me. I didn't know anything so me could exist. Did you know on Spotify there is a podcast called Murder Ballads?
1: Oh, my. You know I love murder
0: ballads. Right. And so this is like my combination of folk music and true crime. And guess what? One of the episodes, she interviews Rhiannon Giddens about Tom Dooley, the song Tom Dooley. Oh, that is my
1: go-to. Yeah.
0: Wow. And then, you know. Rhiannon, being this amazing researcher and folk musician that she is, talks about other songs, including a song she wrote that's on the album um, with uh, Native Daughters, that, that album that's so amazing. Um, anyways, there's not that many episodes, and I haven't listened to all of them, although I'm probably going to like binge listen to them as quickly as possible, and I hope they come out with more, because the last one came out in November 2020. But Who puts it out? Um it's on Spotify and the host's name oh I just had it okay here we go her name is Laura Morris okay um but what I've listened to it's really well done because they play you know sound recordings field recordings modern recordings and they'll play like through the whole thing not just a little snippet so you get to like see hear the whole song um and they talk about the story behind these songs and then other songs that were influenced and just kind of general social things going on at the time um of these songs and anyways it's just really well done and i believe you can only listen to it on spotify it's a spotify original podcast
1: why i have to hear it um you know speaking of murder ballads and indie rock um being a Nick Cave fan, years ago he put out an album of all murder ballads, and they're mostly duets. And he has people like Kylie Minogue, and I mean, just so many different like just superstar musicians on it. And I remember listening to that album like over and over again on a drive in the mountains to meet some friends for a, a get a together. But by the end of that trip, um, I came. You were terrified. Away. Yeah, this it was just so disturbing. The yeah. whole the whole CD, I mean it's very good, but it was just so disturbing that that after listening to it nonstop on this car ride, just me alone in the car in the mountains. Um yeah, I just I just was like, I can't anymore. I'm sorry, Nick Cave. This is brilliant stuff but (laughs) my my healthy brain time and place needs a break
0: yeah Yeah. well yeah when you're driving through the mountains listening to song about people being murdered in the mountains that's probably not a great combination well
1: and nick cave he's there's some there's some language in that album and i mean it's it's disturbing but i'm not you know i i'm not as hardcore as you are with the whole like you know i don't know Oh, it's still
0: hard. And, you know, it was interesting. And that was one of the things that really struck me was Rhiannon was talking about how these songs should be hard to sing and they should hit us because they're actually oftentimes telling a true story and these are real people. And it made me really think about the place of these songs in my classroom. I've actually not done Tom Dooley in my classroom, but I know it's in my folk song collection and it was something that, um, you know, I lied. I think that I actually did introduce it to my older kids.
1: But it was a great cinco pa song. It and... is, but
0: see, that's the thing, too, is that the pedagogical use for it, it's like, if that was my reason for bringing it in, that doesn't honor the story of it, you know, and what happened to this girl. Can I, can and so... I tell you
1: what, what I did with this song? And for better or worse, I'm just going to – this is the truth. Okay. I don't know. Is it wrong? Is it right? Here's what I used to do, and I did this for several years – Um, we would sing Tom Dooley, just the first verse. Um, and, and I know the song from my childhood because the Kingston trio, my dad was a big fan of the Kingston trio and they put out a record and Tom Dooley was one of their hits. Yeah. Right. And so I know several verses, but there's even more verses that I don't know. Um, and so we would sing it in fourth grade or maybe I left it till fifth grade. I think I did because we did do some recorder in fifth grade and we would pa with it. And I would say this is, it would would be a recorder belt, but it was like the fourth or fifth belt in. And I said, when 85% of the class um, gets this belt, I'll tell you the story. Oh,
0: yeah. And I'm not going to say I'm shying away of things because, you know, we do
1: who killed Cock
0: Robin in second and third grade. You know, I mean, I think that kids can deal and should deal with with these, you know, heavier issues. I'm not saying that. But I think it's just important, like all things that we know the story and that we research it. And what I what I was struck by in this particular episode was none of the versions that I heard, really sounded like the version that I knew that I taught kids. And I feel like maybe that version isn't as authentic as some hmm. of these others. Huh? Um,
1: well, yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: there was one that, that resembled it, but anyways, I'm not going to, so I would
1: to play level. a version and I would tell them the story and yeah. nobody, I was never contacted about nightmares or inappropriateness, not to say that that would make it appropriate per se, but these you have days you go kids. look it up. They just go look it up on their own, right? Yeah,
0: totally. You have to yeah. know your kids, and some people might say, "My students," you know, in our particular population, or knowing maybe you might have had a student who had a family member be killed. You know, I mean, you just never know. So, sure. um, knowing your students is the number one thing
1: when you make those. Well, decisions. or or you do know because I'll tell you when I stopped doing it is when we had an incident in the area where a. Um, a fifth grade girl went missing
0: yes oh yes i remember that so it and
1: and that's horrible. that's when i was done
0: exactly that. yeah yeah so but for your own pleasure and for your <laughs> own listening um the murder ballads podcast on spotify is great okay. i love it all right We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
1: If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. In our next episode, we'll be talking about our new favorites for first grade. Until next time, this is Tanya. And this is Carrie wishing you happy musicking.